now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Calvin M. McCune. Praise the Lord, everyone. <clears throat> Thank God, indeed, God has given us this day. And therefore, we rejoice in Him. Today's message that God gave me is titled, Alive to God. Alive to God. It's coming from Romans chapter 6. We'll be going through verses 1 to 14. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask, O Holy Spirit, that you will speak your truth in our hearts, dear God. Without your grace, we will not understand it. So please, Father, thank you, God, that your word is living. Help us to be both hearers and doers of your word. Help us, Lord, not to be distracted by burdens, problems, other cares. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us. We have been sealed for all eternity by your very presence, your very person. So thank you. Thank you, God, that you are molding us and shaping us and renewing our minds and giving us victory every day. Conforming us into the image of Christ. Preparing us, Lord, to use us or as you use us to live, to tell others, Jesus, that you die for them. In Jesus' name, we pray believing. Amen. <clears throat> we save, yes, by the grace of God. We put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The devil continues to attack God's children, bringing the world's false sense of value against us, warning God's children to live outside of God's divine principles, to be thinking outside the way God wants us to think and to act in a way that is not pleasing to God. But thank God that we are alive to God. In Romans chapter 6, the question is asked, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We will always be challenged, believers, by the issue of sin, Satan bringing lies against us, deceiving us, wanting us to embrace something in the world that seems attractive to us. And when that happens, we have a choice to make because the Holy Spirit is in us. We have to make a choice. And the question here is, what shall we say then? Shall we choose to sin with the idea that if I keep sinning, God will add his favor to me? 
verses 2 says, Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? So the truth is that we have died to sin. That evil force that is coming against us, if we have, as we have faith in Christ, the one who is our Savior and the Holy Spirit inside of us, the devil will not have any opportunity to come against us in a victorious way. But that does not mean that he will not send his fiery darts against us. But we have to choose to embrace what Christ has given us. We have to understand what Christ has given us. The Holy Spirit is in us, and greater is he who is in us than he who is within the world. But there is a reality here. The reality is that the flesh part of us, that part that causes us to be rebellious against God, Jesus has provided a way for us to be victorious. We are not in perfection in the sense that it's impossible for us to sin. For the word of God tells us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it is imperative that we understand that now that we are saved, God looks at us and he sees us holy and without blame. He seals us with his spirit at the moment when we put our faith in Jesus. But yet in this world, in this flesh, yet with feelings and passions and desires and imaginations and thoughts and the attractiveness of the world, the devil will continue to use those things in the soul to come against us. He will implant feelings and desires again to cause us to act in a manner against God's teaching, against God's biblical principles, the way God wants us to live. We must depend on the Holy Spirit. And this is a mistake that believers make all the time. And the child of God thinks, well, now that I'm saved, I can do it on my own. I can grow on my own. It is always he who has started that work in us. He must continue to do it. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to read the word of God, understand what the Spirit is telling us, and to be honest with God. So when the Spirit points out sin in our lives, we have a responsibility to say, thank you, God, confess that, and then ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and move on. And then tomorrow fiery darts will come, and we have to repeat that again and again and again. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? When Jesus died on the cross and he atoned for sins, he paid the price. That spiritual baptism that victory that we have in Christ, that is actually our victory. And we receive that by faith. When it speaks about the death of Christ, it's speaking about the victory that Christ won because in that he shared his blood for us. And it pleased the Father in heaven. Christ is the second Adam. That's why he came in our form. Therefore, 
We were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So the Holy Spirit did this, the glorious power of the Father. We have to embrace the power of God in our lives. The devil is a liar, and he's a father of lies. And he will want us to keep reflecting on the old nature when Christ has made it possible for us to be walking in the new nature, to be walking by our faith in Jesus. Now, here is what I think is a problem. The problem is this. When the child of God hears all of this, it can become very abstract. Oh, theological truth, an abstract. We're not experiencing it. And I think the problem is, I believe that the problem is when the child of God is not yielding himself or herself to the power of the Holy Spirit for our purpose, for our existence. Our Lord Jesus said to the disciples, he said to them, to wait, and then he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as we are going through this change, and we are understanding who we are in Christ, and we are understanding what Christ did for us, if, it, if it's, it is just for the purpose of understanding that, listen, we will struggle. But if it is to experience, which it should be, indeed, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit using us to tell somebody that Jesus died for them, that's where we will have the victory. Everyone got this? If you leave out that last part, you're leaving out God's divine purpose. So what the devil can have us doing is keep trying to experience this transform life without the purpose, and we get ourselves in a vicious cycle of always struggling with desires and feelings and passions and thoughts and what we want. And time goes on like that, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, the power of the Holy Spirit, when it's best experienced after God transforms our lives, now that we are saved and we experience transformation taking place little by little, we experience the power of the Holy Spirit using us for soul winning. Then and then, we'll, we will have sustaining. Are you following that? We'll have sustaining strength because now we exist for a divine purpose. See, the devil can set a trap. He can keep us experiencing, Oh, Father, I want to grow. Teach me how to pray. Let me go to church. Let me memorize scripture. Let me sing in the choir. Let me do all the things that I should do, dear God, in your church and struggle with that all the time. Remember, we have to understand here what is happening. The Holy Spirit is bringing divine growth in our hearts, a renewing of the mind, not just to sit, but to experience the power of the Holy Spirit using us for Jesus. So let's move on. And before I move on, listen, when Christ died for us and he is buried and rose again, he's not just in heaven sitting. He's not. He is interceding for us. He's not just interceding for us that we can exist. He's interceding for us because he's building his kingdom. That's what he is doing. And one day he will return for us. 
but when his kingdom is fully built, the last person that will come to Jesus, that God knows, and God is delaying his coming just so that more can be saved. Christ is not in heaven sitting. For if we, I, I will pick up from verses 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, and we have been, certainly we shall also walk in the likeness of his resurrection. We have this new life, and we have to embrace it by faith. And when we are struggling in a certain area, we ask God, Father, if I'm struggling with gossiping, I confess it as a sin and as a stronghold. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness and help me to understand, Lord Jesus, your resurrection, your death, your burial. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. What is that old man? That old man is a part in the flesh that says, rebel against God, stand independent of God, you deserve something better. It goes back to Satan saying to Eve, if you eat of the fruit, if you disobey God, your eyes will open and you will get something better than God had for you. That's what that is. And God gave us this freedom to choose. That's the old man. The new man, on the other hand, says that as Jesus yielded to the Father, even to the point of death, the death on the cross, the new man says, I am going to yield to Jesus. For me to live is Christ. That's the new man. There is no such thing as a new man in himself, by himself, in the absence of Jesus. The new man has to do with yielding to Jesus by faith. Are we following this? It is never a Christianity where we by ourselves. It has to do with Christ in us. Christ actively in us. Christ being Lord of all lives. And this is what is happening all around. We have been hearing a package of Christianity being presented to us because of the cunning work of the devil that says you can have all this spirituality and you can still be in control of your life, and you can still live for yourself. In other words, God, can you clean up the old man that I can still live for myself? The most cunning work of the devil. Thank you, Jesus, for your death, your burial, and resurrection. Help me, Lord, to have victory in the old man so that I can live for myself. The old man has been crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we might no longer be a slave to sin. Instead, we are a slave to Jesus. We are his doulos. We belong to Jesus. We surrender our lives to him. Are you following that? If we are not a slave to Jesus, where he is our master and he is our Lord, then we are saying, dear God, clean me up, dear God, but clean me up for me. That's a nice, beautiful package, isn't it? It's like a win-win situation in sin, which ultimately is a lose situation. But that's what the devil presents to us. And he makes it all colorful. He brings this false sense of worldly value 
and he has crept it into the church, bring it into the church, that says, as the world is consumed for its, about his sense of personal well-being, so too each person can be that way. And God says, no. For he who has died has been freed from sin. For if we died with, with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Are you seeing the difference here? That's the difference, isn't it? All young people are so confused today because they're hearing a doctrine, they're hearing theology, they're hearing religious practices that says all this abstract thing happened. You're in Christ. You're born again. You're sanctified. And they're struggling inside. And then they come to a conclusion. It leads them to a sense of great despair and sometimes they leave the church. When in actuality, what it is, saints, is this. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. And God has started this work in us. And when we struggle with sin, we confess it. We ask God to forgive us, but never as an end in itself. It's so that we can live where Jesus is our Lord. And that will happen only and only as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit using us for a divine purpose which is to tell others that Jesus loves them. That's how that happens. That's exactly what is happening. The devil doesn't want that to happen. The devil doesn't want people to hear the gospel message. The devil knows he cannot interfere with our salvation, but he surely can cause us to be so distracted. Listen, the only thing that the devil can bring against a child of God is the old nature. He can present the old nature and cause us to function within the realm of that old nature, even though Christ had died already for that old nature. Are we following this? So we have to be aware. There is deliverance in knowledge. The truth is what sets us free. We're not tossed around from, as though we don't know what is happening. We have God's truth. And when God opens up our eyes, because we yield to his truth. Oh, the victory we have in Jesus. Just like the person before we were saved. Somewhere in our journey, the Holy Ghost says, Jesus is God. And we embrace that truth, don't we? Well, it's the same thing here. Knowing that Christ, having been raised... From the dead, die no more. Jesus does not have to go back to the cross and die for us again. We will never lose our salvation. That is what this word is telling us. Death no longer has dominion over us. If it was possible for us to lose our salvation and for the Holy Spirit to come out of us and for God to let us go from being his child, for which will not happen, in order for us to be saved again, if we confess our sins, Jesus will have to go back on the cross. So it has a sense of complete work. But listen, beyond that, here is what it has a sense of. Since Jesus died for us, once for all on the cross, it shows the finality of it. His work was complete, wasn't it? It's over. The devil has been broken. Death has been broken. So we don't need to embrace weakness. We don't need to embrace the carnal flesh anymore. 
But we will struggle. But when we struggle, what do we do? We confess our sin. And we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to keep our focus on our Lord. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. What God is telling us. We died to sin when we accepted Jesus. God gave us eternal life, and now we are going to live to God. The question is, what does it mean by to live to God? Does to live to God means, God, can you help me to overcome all these things so that I can be me and I can be myself? God says, I have something better for you. You're going to be alive to God. It's Christ inside of us. What a marvelous, liberating experience every day. And when we struggle with it, listen, when we struggle with it and it does not make sense, just be honest with God. Just say, Holy Spirit, can you help me to understand this so I can walk with that faith in Jesus Christ in me, the King of glory? Are we following this? And when others are struggling, you pray for them that they will understand this. The devil brings pain and suffering and struggles in the soul so that we can keep wrestling with those pain and struggle and suffering. When Jesus, isn't his blood enough to heal every wound, to heal every past? The devil sometimes reminds God's children Tells God's children, lie to us and say, remember your sin. Here is what God says. God says, not only I will not bring up your sin, I will not even remember it. If God says, I will not even remember it, I have a question for you. Why are you remembering it? That's just a lie of the devil. But the Holy Spirit will give us that breakthrough. Are you following that? We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Such truths are deep and profound, and we must depend on the Holy Spirit. We grasp them best we can at a given moment as you are embracing it right now, but you know it's far beyond this, isn't it? God continues to unfold it, but what is important is this. It's all rest on the finished work of Jesus. Likewise, you also... Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. We ask the Holy Spirit to keep us in that unbroken fellowship with Jesus. The child of God, listen to this, the child of God will always know at a given moment when your fellowship and my fellowship with Jesus is broken. Make no mistake. That child of God, don't think you have to come and persuade them. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is inside of us, bearing witness that we belong to Jesus. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, we will clearly understand this. There is no sin that we can do that the Holy Spirit will not say, you are grieving me. 
He will. Here is, he, he, here is, the, here is the problem. Are we listening to him? And when we pray for God's children, we don't pray that we have to correct them. They're not grieving us. Yes, there may be some grief. It hurts me as a pastor when I see God's children doing what is not pleasing to God, but the problem is with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the only one to bring them back. That fellowship has to remain unbroken. And only the Holy Spirit can do it. The issue with sin is that the devil wants to break that fellowship with Jesus. We will not lose our salvation, but we'll lose that fellowship. That's why the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Are you following that? God says, don't grieve his spirit. God says, you confess your sins all the time. Yes, when we get to heaven... We don't have to contend with the flesh and desires and feelings, and we'll have a body like known to the angels. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. We have a responsibility to don't let sin take control of us. There are two things I want to mention here concerning this mortal body. First, we know it's talking about the flesh, isn't it? It's perishable. But here is what it's, it's talking about. Will this live on forever? No. It is appointed unto man once to die. So when we get up in the morning, we say, oh dear God, or before we go to bed at night, that's what God says. Don't let the sun go down on your sin problem, on any wrath, any type of thing you have going on. It does not make any sense to go to bed with that. Go to bed with that, you get up in the morning feeling miserable. You wonder why? Because you didn't confess the night before. It is also talking about this body that we have. It's not only that it's perishing, but it has a certain time frame to it, isn't it? Are we following that? It has a time frame to it. And that's what the devil is after. Got that? And we have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice, believer, just like the unbeliever has a choice to accept Jesus or not. And it's a command. God says, don't let this happen. Don't blame grace. Is the issue here. Don't say, well, I need more grace, so I will sin more. Don't blame other people who are teaching faulty doctrine. Don't blame the devil. Don't say the devil made me do it. Because we have been set free. There is no reason for us. That is a liberating truth, isn't it? But when the child of God is not understanding that, that child of God continues to be tossed to and fro. God says, when you understand this choice, when you understand what Jesus did, when you pray for believers, do you know a child of God that is struggling today? He or she is struggling. Pray that they will understand who they are in Christ. Pray that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can help them to get there. Jeremiah said, God, and only God alone, David cried out, God created me a new heart. 
pray that God will bring their heart back to the Lord Jesus. Sin wants to reign in our lives. And do not present your members as instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but prevent yourself, present yourself to God as alive from the dead and your members as instrument of righteousness to God. Now we understand on this that we are doing something, aren't we? God says that you, God says you give me your life every day. Listen, we cannot give, expect that what we surrender to God last week is sufficient for today. Every day we get up, we say, God, I'm yours. Now, for today, I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through all of the different words here, but I want to focus in on the word instruments, members as instruments of righteousness. God wants us to give ourselves to him. Are we following that? For what purpose? Not just to exist but for his kingdom work. Say, Father, forgive me and help me to be victorious for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. The idea there is self-effort will not do it. We have to keep focusing on what Jesus did. Sin does not have dominion over us. God's favor and grace continues to reach out to God's children. And of course, if you read these verses over and over, oh, the the meat of this scripture is so much in there. So much can be done. We probably can spend on each verse an entire sermon. But the essence of the message is this. A life to God. I can either be alive to myself or I can be alive to God. I choose by the grace of God to be alive to Jesus. Just as by the grace of God I choose to receive Jesus as my Savior this year, 50 years ago. So I choose by the grace of God to present myself to God as a living sacrifice. I choose when I fall short to confess my sins. I choose to admit to God there is unrighteousness in my heart and and to say thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. And I choose to say, Lord Jesus, use me to tell somebody every day as I go around life to serve him. Then and only then, when I'm alive to God, life makes sense to us. To those who are listening, you tuned in to us. We invited you into our sanctuary here at Sutherland Road Baptist Church. None of this will make sense. If you don't come to Jesus. But by the grace of God, Jesus loves you. He truly loves you. That's why he surrendered himself to the Father's will, even the point of death, the death on the cross. I am not telling you about a religion. 
I'm telling you about a person. His name is Jesus. Whatever your religious belief in listening to my voice today, you are placing and investing your future on some literature, on some practice, on some tradition, and we as Christians, we are placing our future on the man named Jesus who said to us, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And to get to the Father, we have to come through him. We are placing our future on the fact that Jesus went to the cross and he died for us and he died for you. He died for the world. So I'm not presenting to you a religion. I'm presenting to you a person. Because he loves you. So don't confuse it with all type of things. Don't confuse it by I need to be good. Jesus took care of all our self-effort. No amount of being good can get us to heaven. We have to be good because the Bible says so. Because God wants us to make good moral choices in this life. Make no mistake. But as far as salvation goes, and this journey of what is meant to be alive to God, it begins with Jesus. So I encourage you. This is a simple gospel message I'm sharing with you. I cannot complicate it. I cannot try to make it in some way where I will try to add to it just to make it adjustable to your situation. Not at all. It's the gospel message, which is this. God loves us. God sent his son, who is Jesus Christ, in this world for you. That is why you're listening. That is why you have breath. That is why you're now tuned in to this message. God wants you to accept Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior. Let us pray, congregation. Let us pray for those who are listening. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. By faith, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I confess you are the Christ, the Son of God. In Jesus' name, I pray believing. Amen. Good news to you all who have prayed that prayer. God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whatever country you're in, I encourage you, find a good Bible church. Find some place. If you're here in the Maryland area, in this area, come by, visit us. Praise God. Find a good Bible church. Let me, let me define that. It's my responsibility to define that. 
A good Bible church means this. A place where that person, when you go in there and you sit, he has to open the word of God, read what it says, and he will be explaining scripture in relationship to Jesus. It's as simple as that. If he's, add, if he's going to add culture, politics, sport, anything to it, self, prosperity, fame, anything, that's not a good Bible church. Get out from it. Plain and simple. Good Bible church, the word of God going forth. When God calls pastors, God gives the gift of pastoring, the purpose is to teach God's word. And then we have a responsibility. And here is something else. If that man is not living a life that is pleasing to God, don't even go back in the church. God demands, God says for the leaders that you have to live godly before the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Down his face. He